Welcome once again to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Grab your board, catch a wave, and let's find out what the latest trends and waves are in sales pipeline growth and development from Matt Hines of Hines Marketing. Hey, Matt. How are we doing, Paul? I'm doing good there. I almost had the wrong uh, show music there, but we, we got it fixed for you. thought maybe you gave us an upgrade. That was good. <laughs> Oh, happy February. Happy February. How did we get to February already? I thought it was just the beginning of the year. I'm still saying Happy New Year. If you just sit here, whether you'd hit your number or whether you're not, the, the, the clock keeps ticking, the calendar keeps moving. I hate that. It's frustrating. Before we get going, we've talked about the weather before. I was in San Diego earlier this week. The weather was amazing. So I'm hoping <laughs> that you're down there in uh, La La Land. Right? We're having good weather as well. We're having good weather, but, you know, San Diego is the most snobbish of the Southern California communities. They claim to have perfect weather 364 days out of the year. They allow one bad day of weather. And they complain about it. And they complain bitterly. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, yeah, we're having a pretty good day up here in Seattle. Uh, We're excited to be back on Sales Pipeline Radio. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, You can see us every week at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific right here on uh, on the feed, the management radio network. And uh, you can find us on the podcast at the iTunes Store and Google Play as well. Uh, If you want to check out any of our past episodes as well as future episodes, you can get us on the podcast or you can always check us out at salespipelineradio.com. Our goal every week is... As usual, is to feature some of the best minds and voices and ideas in sales and marketing in EP. And uh, today, very, very excited to feature David Primer, who is the Vice President of Sales at Influitive, and got a lot of great uh, great topics to cover with him. But uh, first of all, David, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure, Matt. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, you know, there's so many things I'd like to cover. I think first, I know you've You've got a long history of sales leadership that we can get into, um, but I know you, know you you think a lot about, in addition to managing the sales team, you think a lot about the psychology of sales. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. As Sales has evolved over the years. So I've been in enterprise software sales for 17 years, and it used to be at the beginning, you know, the, the vendors had all the information, as you know, and we would fly around, and, you know, the Internet was a thing, but there wasn't nearly as much information as there exists today. And so the, the, the buying process, the selling process, and the relationship between buyer and seller has fundamentally changed, right? Buyers have much more information. They're much better armed and uh, much more prepared to have engaging conversations with us. And so it's shifted the focus a little bit, right, from the sales per- salesperson's perspective from uh, from being a little bit on the, the offensive to being a little bit more defensive. And so things like sales psychology and emotional intelligence and just helping buyers through their process, uh, have become really, really important. The the other piece of it is that we've become just way busier, right, with all this information. And so the kind of the mindset of the buyer has kind of shifted not only to one of empowerment because they have all this information, but they don't want to be bothered, right, to say the same way that they used to because we just have so much less time than we did before. And so it's really, really important for sellers to be mindful of the buyer experience they're creating, especially now. And that's why kind of my, my enhanced focus or kind of you know, focus as of late, especially in recent years, on uh, on kind of execution and, and really how we create that amazing experience for the buyer. I mean, and this is something you don't hear a lot from sales managers, especially this time of year when people have gone through their, you know, sales kickoff process. Um, you know, how, from your experience, where you know is this is this prevalent in sales organizations is this not explored enough like what is what are you seeing and what do you recommend for sales managers leaders and sales trainers that might be listening in terms of implementing and integrating 
uh, sort of a, a, a better sort of sales psychology best practice system into their organization? Yeah, I mean, I would say on the whole, it's it's not practiced enough. You know, there are still you were, we're salespeople were kind of very used to the the old ways of selling. Still, we you know we make lots of calls. We we almost you know kind of bother people. We try to interrupt their focus. We try our best pitches out, um, and uh, and there is a shift. I'm I'm sensing and I've seen, but even you know the, the, from the big companies to the small, it's not something that is. Uh, that has gotten a lot of airplay. Uh, it's it's getting more now when you think about some of the things that are happening around uh, social selling. Uh, you know, you have methodologies like Sandler, uh, which we practiced a ton at Salesforce, which are really really great. Um, and, and you can kind of look at those one of two ways. It's very much kind of a very kind of tactical, strategic way of uh, of approaching how you uh, sell uh, a product to a buyer. But at the same side, there's there's also this element of sitting on the side of the buyer. Right, you know, phrasing your questions and your your discovery uh, and the way you negotiate all on the side of the buyer and being kind of very very biased towards them. It's it's a little unnatural, right, for 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 salespeople. Uh, we we sometimes tend to think of the sales process as something that's more adversarial uh, versus sitting on the same side of the table. Um, but as someone just personally who doesn't like to be bothered, you know, I, I don't like it when people BDRs call me and, and try to try to sell their products and you know into me. I, I love it when. Uh, I connect with people who I know and I trust, or even sellers who add value in advance of trying to pitch a product. Um, so I would say on the whole, companies are, are moving in this direction. I think they have some of the tools and processes in place, but I don't think they're still holistically thinking about um, sitting on the side of the buyer and kind of the, the sales psychology and emotional intelligence as a, as a, as a uh, high-level strategy just yet. We're talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with uh, David Premer, who's the Vice President of Sales and Influitive. And, and yeah, David, you got a really interesting background. You've not only done a lot of work in sales, operations, sales leadership, uh, you have a bachelor's degree in chemistry and atmospheric science uh, and, a, and a master's degree in chemical engineering. And I can tell you I can count on a lot less than one hand the number of people that have that level of a technical <laughs> degree that have gotten into sales. Do you explain in, in less than two or three hours, like how, how did you make that transition? How did you go from someone who looked like, you know, they were headed towards more of a science career into sales? The good question. I actually explained to my. I actually filled this question at my daughter's Girl Guides troop just this week. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, I'm, I should be well practiced. The question I actually asked the troop. I said, "Who here as a kid liked to take things apart and figure out how they worked?" Right. And I was one of those kids. I used to take apart my my mother's vacuum cleaner when it was broken, and I would kind of figure out what was wrong with it, put it back together. There'd be a few more pieces left over off to the side for whatever reason, and it'd still work. Uh, but I love to kind of take things apart and figure out how they worked. And for me, a kind of a career in science made a lot of sense because it helped kind of explain, uh, you know, the physical world. And it was just this idea that, that the world is something that you can discover and kind of take apart and figure out how it works. So what I found kind of going through the, the, the academic world and um, entering kind of the workforce in about 1999 where I joined my first startup, and, and came into sales. I didn't even know sales was a thing you can do. But what I've learned since then is that the world of sales is just like the vacuum cleaner. It's a thing that you can learn about, you can take apart. The commitment that I make to my sales reps is I, I say, remember the, the movie The Matrix? I know it, it seems like just yesterday, but it was uh, 18 years ago that movie came out where, you know, Keanu Reeves is kind of looking at the matrix and it's kind of all ones and zeros and he can't make any sense of it. But then by the end, you start seeing the matrix as kind of the shapes and the outlines and the patterns, and you can kind of play around with it, you become more proficient. And for me, that's that's what the world of sales is. You know, the way we interact with people, the way we negotiate, 
the way we pitch our products. I love infomercials. I love kind of like that, that formulaic approach to things. World of Sales is a vacuum cleaner that you can pick apart and figure out how it works. And so for me as a as person who has a math and science and engineering background, um, it, it's definitely something that you know I still think of in those terms uh, as a science to be learned. Obviously, just kind of transition to a little bit more of the, the tactical uh, elements of sales, but uh, that's the kind of knowledge I try to uh, infuse in my teams. It's fascinating, and because of that background, I'm curious, you know, what your perspective is on the balance between the art and the science of selling. You know, you've got an awful lot of people today that are looking at the numbers and trying to manage, you know, sales to a spreadsheet. You've got a lot of people that just they think it's a complete art, and that, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it, that managing it through a spreadsheet doesn't work at all. Uh, my, my opinion is it's it's a little bit of a mix between both. But given your background and given the approach you, you know, you've been trained, uh, you know, academically uh, to to do, plus your work in sales, like how do you think about that balance? So I spent five years at Salesforce before coming to Influtive, and it was just five amazing years. An incredible company, great people. And the, the great thing about working at Salesforce is you can see things uh, that at scale that you can't see when you work at a smaller company. So the power of having thousands of sales reps and seeing trends and patterns, they're powerful compared to an you know, organization where you might have 30 sales reps. And so you know, one of the things that uh, you're able to see are things like, like hustle and activity. And while... Uh, it really matters what you say on the phone or in person when you're meeting with a customer because they're people just like we are. There is a correlation between the amount of hustle, the amount of calls, the amount of intensity and rigor that you apply to your business and the outcomes. Like I saw that absolutely at scale over thousands of calls and, and, and deals and so on over the course of that time. So how do I balance the art and the science? I balance the, the science by saying if you hustle, if you make lots of calls, if you tier your accounts, if you're very strategic about who you go after and, and, and so on, then that's, that's the, that's the science, right? That's the, that's the step one. Step two, which is the art is, okay, well, when you get on the phone with someone, what do you say? And in fact, I actually wrote an article about this last week. I find a lot of organizations don't, uh, they're not as mindful about those kind of very ground-level tactics, you know, meaning you know, what do you, as a sales rep who works for your company, say in the first 10 seconds when you get on the phone with a prospect? And then what do you say in the next 30 seconds, in the next five minutes? And I'm not saying that you should be prescriptive about what you're saying, but what you say and how you say it and how you kind of build and layer that experience for the customer, because, again, they don't want to be bothered, right? You're bothering them by calling them. What are you saying to kind of layer through that experience and take them on this journey with you. You know, most of us work at these great organizations with amazing products and we're trying to change the world. And, you know, the customers that we're calling on, even though we have uh, solutions that can solve their problems, spend, you know, a fraction of a percent caring about us. So the real art is, is you know, the science is, is how do you, you know, moderate your cadence and how do you attack your territory and, and how often are you calling and emailing and so on. But the art really comes down to what are you saying and how are you empathizing with your customer? And if you were in their position, what would you like you to say? Like all those things are really, really, really important. And I find that sometimes organizations don't, don't put enough focus on that. It's about how many calls you're making and how many emails you're sending out. But really kind of when you get down to it, you have to be really mindful of that, that human experience. That's how I harmonize the, the art and science. Great uh, perspective. Thanks very much. Well, we got to take a quick break, pay some bills. We're back with more from David Premer, Vice President of Sales at Influid. I want to get into talking about emotional intelligence. Uh, he's written and talked about some interesting things on the impact of emotional intelligence, especially in hiring and training and managing your sales reps. Back in a couple minutes, you're listening to Sales Pipeline Radio. You know, in a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint 
for a guide to what's really working and how to make it apply specifically to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and conversion. That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide, something you should have in your back pocket right now. If you don't, you can download it for free at HeinzMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing pipeline, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas and strategies and tactics you can put to work right away, like today. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in and tackle a problem. Some, maybe something you're looking at right now on your desk, right in front of you as you're listening to this. It's also there as a resource that you can come back when you need something new to inspire you, to open your eyes, to give you some task or idea to do next. It's all that and more, and it's waiting for you free. The Modern Marketer's Field Guide at HeinzMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing. Dot com. And all right, back to Matt and his guest. And a quick question for me, is that modern marketer's field guide, is that more of the art or the science of selling? Well, it's both, Paul. I, mean, you know, I, think, I think David did a nice job of saying like you really need both of that. I, yes. and I think the same applies in marketing. You know, the it, good marketing for me starts with a spreadsheet and ends with a spreadsheet, but the middle is still the story. It's still the art. It's like you know, you can you can say in the spreadsheet, I expect twenty five percent of people to convert, but how are you going to do that? It comes down to that story. And again, I think you know what's interesting to me about sort of the evolution of sales, especially in today's world. You know, relative to marketing, marketing still is, you know, you've got, you've got sort of one to many environments in a lot of cases, even if those are sort of engineered with predictive intelligence to be one to one. Sales conversations are usually one to one. It's a direct conversation. It's, it's, it's real time storytelling. And so, you know, we're going to get into sort of how you hire and train reps to do that, how you look for emotional intelligence, which I think is a direct line to helping make better reps. But, uh, if you like the conversation we're having today, and I've really enjoyed our time so far, uh, with David Primer from, uh, Influitive, uh, you can check out, uh, his entire interview, uh, on the podcast at iTunes Play or Google Play. You can check out all of our past episodes on demand at salespipelineradio.com as well as all future episodes uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks we've got lauren Faccarello from box she's the vp of marketing at box we're going to be talking about account-based marketing and how to improve your ability to go after specific targets we're going to have shannon dougal who's the vice president of marketing at uberflip and talking about some new research that identifies specific characteristics of content uh, that's working in the field it's driving better response uh, and uh, a lot of great content, a lot of great vi- uh, people coming up on the show. But want to get back to our conversation with David. You've written a number of uh, really interesting articles, uh, you know, especially you know some stuff on the Salesforce blog from your time there, as well as you look like you've continued. I, I read through a lot of the the stuff you've written, and the one piece that really kind of caught my eye, I thought was particularly interesting, was your piece on interview questions for assessing emotional intelligence. Talk a little bit about why emotional intelligence is an important for sales professionals and then walk through some of the highlights of, you know, how you can assess that in the interview process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, emotional intelligence is, is critical, you know, for the very reason that buyers are people and sellers are people. People buy from people. And oftentimes we'll say things that will uh, incite an emotional reaction in our client. In fact, you know, in, in sales, that's the objective, right, is to create emotional reaction around our product or solution uh, to our buyers. And so it's really, really important that as sales professionals, we're mindful of uh, how we're using our own emotions to create that experience and how the emotions of others 
uh, you know, feed into that. So when we think about things like, well, what are the emotions that kind of play out in sales? There's things like satisfaction and fear and excitement um, and alignment. And these things sometimes manifest in strange ways. So, for example, you might have a customer that says, hey, can I have a free trial of your product or can I speak to a reference or, you know, we've all been in the position where we call up our local telco because we're angry about our bill and we say to the person on the other end, I want to speak to your manager, right? All of these are, are, are tactics that we live with every day, but we sometimes don't realize they're very much rooted in the emotional experience that we're having with our uh, customers and prospects rather than kind of a, the arts and science, right? Someone asking for a, a, um, a reference or a referral or a free trial, for me, is really a statement of fear. They're saying, I'm afraid, I don't believe or trust completely that when I purchase your solution, I'm going to get the intended result, and so I really want to speak to someone who can help validate that for me. And so it just comes up all over the place. And so there's definitely things that you can do, questions you can ask, scenarios you can put forth in a uh, in an interview process to help understand whether or not the person you're dealing with has that kind of emotional awareness. So... You know, so for example, some of the things that I, I write about are this idea of just checking in syndrome. You know, we've all been there as a, as a sales rep. We have a prospect on our list that we want to keep continuing to engage because we believe that they are well suited for our product. And so we just call them every few months and we say, Hey, you know, we're just, it's me, David. I'm just checking in. Want to hear kind of how it's going, right? And customers hate that. They hate that when you call them. So this idea of how do you avoid just checking in syndrome is a really great question I love to ask sales reps. How do you avoid you know, the sense of, of bothering on the customer side? And there's definitely you know, things that I look for there. And that's more on the, you know, on the customer side. Um, things that I look for on the, on the rep side is just the awareness of their own strengths and abilities. So one question I love to ask is this idea of what's your superpower? We've all met all sorts of different types of sales reps over the course of our careers, and some are amazing negotiators, and some are amazing solution people, and some are what I call like the best friends. They just have this best friend persona, and everyone you know, just really uh, loves talking to them. And so you ask people, what's your superpower? What's the thing that if we look back on three months from now, and you're just six months from now, crazy successful, we would have said, of course, Matt's going to be successful. Look at what his superpower is, right? And so um, just that awareness of both, you know, internally and, and externally is really, really important when you're a hiring a sales rep. So is emotional intelligence something that you can learn? Is it an inherent trait? Um, I mean, do you, does someone have to have that coming in or like some other sales skills? Can you can you get someone up to speed on it? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So the, the good news is for all your listeners that emotional intelligence is absolutely um, something that you can learn. Uh, and there are some really great books out there that talk about how most of the jobs that exist in the world are bettered by people who have high emotional intelligence. The fact that uh, people who are top performers, I think the status is about 90% of them have high emotional intelligence versus only about 20% uh, of the high performers would, would have, or sorry, 20% of low performers have um, uh, high emotional intelligence. It's a huge factor, but the good news is it can be learned. It can be learned. Unlike IQ, which we all you know, are aware of, intelligence quotient, which is believed to be fixed at birth and can never be changed, absolutely uh, EQ, or intelligence or emotional quotient, can absolutely be learned. And, and part of it is just uh, this idea of pattern recognition, like being aware of when you, when you do certain things and you say certain things, it has an impact on someone. And so it's very much a, a learned skill. Uh, some people are just obviously much more natural at it, but it is definitely something that can be learned.
So one of the, you know, just switching gears a little bit as we got out of the last few minutes with uh, with David Premer from Influitive today, I want to talk about what to do after the sales kickoff. Uh, you know, for those listening live, it's the second day of February. For those of you that are uh, listening on demand, I mean, if you've been through a sales kickoff, you probably are used to sort of the uh, kind of post SKO letdown, right? You leave and it's all exciting, and then you get back to work. And you know, what can you do as a sales leader? to maintain that energy, maintain that momentum, keep people focused and driving forward uh, in, in sort of the same spirit that you left sales kickoff with uh, whenever you did that in January? Great question. So I think the first thing, it starts at the sales kickoff. I find all too often as sales leaders, we try to jam a lot of stuff into these sales kickoffs. And so we have product and marketing and customer success and support, and then we get our executives to pop in, and maybe we have some partners pop in. Um, and then the reps kind of leave, and they're not really quite sure what the most important thing was for them to take away. It becomes very difficult to hold them accountable. So my advice for sales kickoffs is, you know, uh, less is more. The way I kind of plan my sales kickoffs is I kind of start with a blank piece of paper, and I say, what are kind of the, let's say, the one, two, or three things, no more than that, that if the sales reps leave the kickoff not knowing, it would be considered a failure, right? So just the key is just prioritize ruthless prioritization of what your focus is, have lots of, you know, break time, lots of role play, but, but really, really focus. And then coming out of the sales kickoff, the real key is accountability. So, for example, let's say part of the, the, the one thing in your sales kickoff is you want your reps leaving uh, knowing the, the, the two-minute corporate pitch or two-minute corporate pitch or first call deck um, down pat. The key to uh, driving accountability is maintaining that awareness around that piece of content. So some people will do kind of ongoing, uh, you know, say lunch and learns, or they'll do, you know, little events kind of around that same theme. A simple thing that I love to do is I call it five minutes in heaven, although sometimes it goes longer than five minutes, and I don't know if reps would describe it as heavenly, but it's this idea that if, let's say, for example, the most important thing was uh, remembering that two-minute pitch, what's the corporate two-minute pitch? Every team meeting after that kickoff, you take the first five minutes, and you kind of go around the table, you pick a person at random and say, yeah, so Matt, we talked about this uh, two-minute pitch at the uh, sales kickoff. Well, let's hear it. What's your best version of the two-minute pitch? Right? And you kind of go around the table, and you kind of pick people randomly. And this idea that people can get called out for the content uh, that they're responsible for knowing makes them immediately accountable. Um, you can even have your executives pop in if uh, other executives pop in, if this is something that's going to help. But this idea of constant reinforcement of a few key things and having people be accountable to kind of call them out at a moment's notice, uh, I think is really helpful. So this idea of just taking five minutes at the beginning of every sales meeting just to really drive it home. Uh, it's kind of like the song that the DJ has heard, you know, a million times and sick of already. You kind of want to get get to that point. So it's automatic. really important. <laughs> Awesome. Absolutely. Well, uh, we unfortunately are out of time. You always go too fast, Paul. I was going to ask you to blow off the next uh, the next show, but I'm pretty sure we can't do that. So thank you so much to our guest today, David Premer, the uh, VP of Sales at Influitive. Some great stuff. If you want to hear David's comments again, you can catch that in a couple days on demand at salespipelineradio.com as well as from our podcast available on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, join us next week and every week, every Thursday at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific. Uh, lots of great guests coming up. The rest of the month and into the rest of Q1. But for today, this is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us, Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been listening to Sales Pipeline Radio, the one show that takes a look at the whole sales pipeline from start to finish with your host, Matt Hines from Hines Marketing. 